Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, a couple of websites to check if you want to be sure you're registered and set for the November statewide elections and an inspiring story about fishing with friends and sharing some tough and sometimes complicated experiences. A report by our Sam Dick on that a little bit later. But first, the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Kentucky is here. Robert Duncan was appointed by President Trump to uphold the federal laws in the 67 easternmost counties of the Commonwealth. Duncan is making the drug addiction problem a major focus, including interrupting the pipelines that get it here. He's also working to seek justice for the elderly who are often taken advantage of. And in a state with a history of election-related corruption, his team keeps a close eye there and on other areas of public corruption as well. Duncan oversees a staff of about 83 who also prosecute crimes involving terrorism, firearms, child exploitation and immigration. U.S. Attorney Robert Duncan Jr. joining us today and we welcome you. Thanks for coming, Rob. Thank you appreciate for Appreciate it very me. much. I appreciate the opportunity. So you have broad responsibilities for upholding the federal laws in the Eastern District of Kentucky. How do you prioritize your time and, and what your emphasis will be during your tenure? So our priorities are set by the National Department of Justice and we largely track what DOJ priorities are. I think in our district uh, the areas of needs uh, align very well with what DOJ has prioritized for uh, enforcement, particularly the opioid crisis. Uh, it's uh, something that has affected not just our state, but really all of the uh, Appalachian region. Uh, but in the Eastern District of Kentucky, it is a particularly acute problem, uh, one that we are dealing with in a multifaceted approach, both with addressing the illicit uh, supply of drugs like fentanyl and the fentanyl analogs, but also the diversion of uh, lawfully prescribed pharmaceuticals and going after those uh, bad actors that continue to unnecessarily prescribe and unnecessarily dispense controlled substances which help fuel uh, the overall problem. You were already uh, an assistant U.S. attorney when uh, you were appointed to this uh, position. Uh, did anything surprise you in terms of the, the emphasis that you have had to place on this opioid crisis? I knew going in, uh, based on my background as an assistant U.S. attorney, the last uh, portion of that time I spent as an AUSA was prosecuting uh, drug cases, particularly uh, complex, multi-jurisdictional cases involving the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. Uh, OCDF is a mechanism that brings together federal, state, and local law enforcement to disrupt and dismantle the most serious uh, drug trafficking uh, and criminal organizations that we have operating in our district and elsewhere. So from that perspective, as an AUSA, I knew um, the drug problems that we were facing uh, in the district firsthand from my experience in working in and with uh, law enforcement officers to uh, to go after these groups. So we well know that the opioid crisis has hit Kentucky uh, fiercely, uh, certainly, really hard. The deadly overdoses, uh, the addictions, the families are ripped apart, the communities that are trying to deal with it and are in some cases overwhelmed financially with the result of the challenges. Do you think that there is a coordinated strategy in place now that eventually will make this better? I do. I think that the, uh, the administration certainly has a uh, major focus on uh, opioid uh, enforcement and opioid prevention. Uh, there are many efforts underway to uh, make sure that folks have access to treatment and to encourage folks uh, to seek the treatment that they need. Our office in particular also puts, uh, in addition to our enforcement responsibilities, 
we put an emphasis on, on prevention. And most folks wouldn't think that uh, law enforcement would have a role necessarily in prevention. Part of it is through the aggressive enforcement. Uh, we, we prevent drugs from hitting the street. We prevent others from uh, becoming uh, addicted. But prevention also means educating the community and going out into the public. One of the ways that we do that is through the efforts of our Heroin Education Action Team, or USA HEAT. HEAT is comprised of family members who have lost loved ones to uh, overdose deaths. And they go out to the public and they're willing to share their stories about how their loved one came to be addicted and ultimately lost their life because of uh, their addiction. These mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters go out to school groups, community groups, and and spread the message of, look, this is this is dangerous. It's deadly. All it takes is one pill. All it takes is, you know, somebody taking a, a pill from the medicine cabinet or taking it from um, an unauthorized source that can lead to a path uh, of addiction and ultimately leads to death. So you are truly trying to interrupt the cycle. We are at all levels, uh, both the cycle of distribution and then on the prevention end uh, to encourage folks not to start. You've told me that uh, Kentucky has, uh, or your district, has what, five of the top counties for overdoses in the, in the country? Just in our state, uh, our five state, of yeah. the top counties uh, for overdose deaths per capita are in the Eastern District of Kentucky, uh, including a couple here in Central Kentucky, Madison County and Clark County. So certainly uh, opioids remain a, uh, an acute problem that we are facing that, and that we are uh, working with our partners uh, all across law enforcement to address. You know, the overdose death fatality report that the Kentucky Office of Drug Control Policy recently released for uh, the 2018 data was positive. Statewide, there was a 15% reduction in overdose deaths uh, last year. That result is about 230 people. And you see these numbers on the page and you hear people talk about the numbers. Um, and sometimes we get, I think, numb to the statistics, but those statistics represent lives lost. Any Thing that we can do to lessen the lives lost, we're, we're committed to doing. When you talk about pipelines and, and, and supply uh, into Kentucky, I mean, it is so multifaceted. We know that uh, some years ago there was the attempt to go after the pain clinics that uh, were so much of that was coming in. Uh, the fentanyl was a, a whole new uh, situation and, and even deadlier that started coming in. Uh, but generally, as much as you can tell us, what should people know about how you prioritize trying to shut off the supply here? So we do that in, in a few ways. And as I mentioned earlier, um, combating the, the trafficking organizations that are bringing in the illicit drugs like fentanyl and the fentanyl analogs and, and heroin, uh, we make that a, a high priority of going after the organizations uh, at the highest level that we can here locally then regionally and working with our partners uh, across the country and in state and federal law enforcement, uh, ultimately trying to take it back to the source. In every drug investigation, we look to try to take uh, our investigation as high as we can go up the, uh, up the ladder, including uh, to the sources of the drugs. On the, um, there's several initiatives that are um, at play, both on the illicit and the, the prescription side. One of the efforts that we're undertaking on uh, prescription drug abuse is through the Appalachian Prescription um, Regional Opioid Initiative, or ARPO. It's a partnership with other U.S. Attorney's offices in the region, as well as the criminal division uh, out of Maine Justice and our, our federal and state law enforcement partners 
to use data to try to identify the outliers, the, the folks that in the medical community that uh, the few bad apples that may be uh, unnecessarily prescribing or unnecessarily dispensing, and then building investigations. Um, you, know, you mentioned pill mills. That's something that our office has historically um, been very aggressive in, in going after and prosecuting. And this the ARPO initiative is really an outgrowth uh, of that just on a, a larger regional scale. Yeah, this is a, a, a nationwide problem, obviously, but it sounds like you're saying that Washington gets it, that, that Appalachia and particularly your, uh, your jurisdiction is, is a real trouble spot for this. Absolutely. Uh, we have received great support uh, from the department uh, in the terms of resources and funding. We have received additional positions uh, to combat the opioid crisis. Uh, both on the pill side, we've received um, a prosecutor dedicated to prosecute nothing but opioid-related health care fraud. Uh, most th folks, I don't think, would make a link between uh, opioids and health care fraud, but often the folks, the doctors that are uh, unnecessarily prescribing are also, are also engaging in acts of uh, unnecessary billing and you know, committing fraud uh, on the health care system. That's one uh, resource we've received. We've also received a uh, prosecutor especially funded to prosecute fentanyl cases here in Fayette County uh, through the Synthetic Opioid Surge Initiative uh, that the department rolled out a little over a year ago. And so those extra resources help uh, augment the uh, resources we've already dedicated uh, to address the problem. How frustrating is it to law enforcement that uh, once something uh, seems to be addressed head on and uh, you know there's, there comes to be some uh, hopeful signs and we have had a slight reduction, maybe a 15% reduction actually in overdoses, which is a, a good thing, but we know the problem is uh, continuing to be so rough. But then something else springs up. You know, now we have uh, methamphetamines back as an issue. It's always a challenge for law enforcement, but we have to be uh, able to adapt and we have to be able to um, adjust uh, resources and, and shift focus if necessary. Not saying at all that we're going to take uh, our eye off the ball on addressing the uh, opioid crisis. We've still remained steadfastly committed um, to doing our part in that arena. But we're also aware of the other emerging threats like methamphetamine. Um, it's a different kind of methamphetamine that is available now that, uh, from when I started as a prosecutor almost 15 years ago. This methamphetamine is uh, much stronger, much more potent, much more uh, deadly, I believe, and it's becoming more readily available at a cheaper price point. Uh, the meth that we're seeing now throughout our district is uh, often uh, 90 to 95 plus uh, percent pure, which is uh, extremely potent and can be extremely dangerous, not just for the, uh, the folks that are using the product, but also for law enforcement. Uh, we tend to see uh, an intersection of violence uh, with folks that are involved in the meth trade and the meth use. Uh, so it is something that we're aware of and we're committed uh, to putting resources to address that problem, particularly in southeastern Kentucky where it, it seems to be uh, the most acute. Uh, methamphetamine uh, enforcement and associated violent crime enforcement are going to be two of our top priorities going into uh, the next year and beyond. The violent crime issue is, is, is an area that I want to explore just a little bit uh, and the tie into the drug trade. Uh, you know, so often in, in a very general way we say, well, it's drugs, you know, it's what led to, leads to these shootings or these issues that, that we see throughout our viewing area, certainly. Uh, is, is that correlation, in fact, real? Uh, drugs always um, 
are associated with violence. And I, I do believe they, they certainly play a part uh, in driving uh, a large amount of violent crime that we see throughout our district. Uh, reducing violent crime, not just here in Lexington, but in the other uh, 66 counties that comprise the Eastern District and that we serve, uh, remains a, a high priority. The department's uh, centerpiece program for addressing violent crime is the Project Safe Neighborhoods program. PSN has been around for uh, a number of years, but this iteration, this version of PSN is more specific and more focused. PSN is still based on, on partnerships with state, local, and federal law enforcement and community partners. Uh, different this time around, we are looking to go after the most violent offenders, the worst of the worst, if you will the ones, uh, individuals in the communities that are driving the most acts of violence, that are, uh, that are the trigger pullers, the ones that are out uh, doing the shootings and committing other criminal activity. And we want to, um, to use the PSN model, uh, not just here in Lexington, but all across the district to, uh, to identify the folks that are driving the violence and then to use our resources, whether it's state resources or federal resources, to bring cases to bear against them, ultimately to protect the public. Often our first responders are very much in a, you know, in a hot zone situation trying to stop uh, or uh, make an arrest in a situation where there's been something happening. It sounds like by the time it gets to you, uh, you have to uh, step back and, and, and make some very methodical decisions about how to go forward. We do. Uh, part of our job is, uh, as prosecutors and being in law enforcement is to evaluate the cases and, and to make sure that um, those cases are, are meritorious. But I will say that our law enforcement partners uh, do great work, uh, not just throughout the district, but here in Lexington. Uh, we have, we're very fortunate to have such good leadership at the local uh, law enforcement level with uh, Lawrence Weathers, the Chief of Police, Luanna Redcorn, the Commonwealth's Attorney, Kathy Witt, the Fayette County Sheriff. Those are all uh, tremendous partners that we have uh, in our effort to reduce violent crime. And I think, um, you know, the results from last year uh, show that we had some success. Uh, we set up um, a violent crime task force here in Fayette County with those partners that I mentioned, along with federal partners like uh, ATF and DEA and FBI and the U.S. Marshal Service. Uh, those folks all came together recognizing that there was uh, a need uh, and because of our good relationships and information sharing, uh, we're able to make some, some impact. Last year in Lexington, according to the data from the police department, violent crime was down 13%, uh, including assaults, murders, shootings, so all very positive news. We recognize that it's an ongoing issue and it's something that we're going to have to continue to address, but we are all committed to doing that and we're going to you know, make sure that um, we are doing our part to help keep the community safe. U.S. Attorney Rob Duncan is with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. Our remaining moments with him coming up in just a moment, and we'll talk about some of his other responsibilities when we come right back. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers, and we're visiting today with the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Kentucky, Rob Duncan. Again, we mentioned you were a, a, a staff attorney before, you assistant U.S. attorney, and uh, we're working in that office before, but this has had to be a big change for you. <laughs> it is, it is, Bill. I, I see it from an entirely different perspective now, uh, going from the line to the, uh, uh, to the U.S. attorney position. First of all, it's an honor uh, to have this opportunity. Um, it's something that uh, I never really gave a whole lot of thought to, but um, the opportunity presented itself, and I was uh, certainly fortunate to be 
uh, nominated, and it truly is um, its a dream job for me. Kentucky has an unfortunate history of uh, public corruption and uh, election misdeeds. We know that as the general election approaches, uh, what can you tell us that your office uh, is attempting to do in this election and in those to come? So I, I think public corruption, you're right, has been uh, a historic historically a problem for Eastern Kentucky. And our office has been involved in uh, many efforts to address that problem, going back um, years and years. Uh, several investigations come to mind. The, the Bop Trot investigation of the late 80s and early 90s, our office uh, was heavily involved in that and the prosecutions that, that followed. Um, in more recent times, we've investigated both uh, state and uh, local uh, elected officials of, of both parties. Uh, to me, it's it's not a it's a, not a partisan issue. It's about right and wrong. It's about following the rules. It's about playing by the rules and making sure that everyone understands that the rules apply equally to everybody. We're going to continue to uh, to be involved um, in in that arena, uh, particularly with our work with uh, the FBI. They are um, our primary partner in in pursuing these public corruption cases, and it's something that we remain committed to doing. You know, local officials uh, handle a lot of taxpayer money, and they make decisions about the money, and they're involved in decisions about how the city will be planned in ways that, uh, you know, people may or may not want to weigh in on. And, and uh, uh, so uh, there's a, a lot to watch there, isn't there? It's a broad, public corruption is a, a broad uh, arena. There are many ways that, um, in many forms uh, it can take. It, it's again something that we are we are focused on and will remain so. Recent conviction of Lexington uh, businessman Jerry Lundergan and an associate for deeds related to the 2014 Senate campaign of Lundergan's daughter, the Secretary of State, Allison Lundergan Grimes. Uh, you put out immediately after that uh, a news release that said it sent a message. I think the message uh, is, like I said a moment ago, that the rules apply to everyone and it reinforces that fundamental principle that um, that everyone has to play by the same set of rules and I don't want to speak too much about that case because there are still proceedings ongoing there's a, a sentencing uh, that will take place in in a few months uh, but just generally the importance of public corruption cases is just that it enforces the rule of law and it reinforces the principles of the rule of law Gun violence is a you know, major problem uh, in Lexington and throughout the country. We've, uh, we've glanced at that in this interview. But obviously, uh, how that will be handled from a policy standpoint is up in the air, and it's up to Congress and the, and the, and the president and so forth. But what does your office do now to try to enforce uh, firearms laws as they are? Sure. We enforce um, the laws as they are on the books. And uh, like you mentioned, it's not our job to, to wade into the policy. But we do uh, take very seriously our our job to enforce the law. Uh, we prosecute firearms cases uh, in a number of manners, probably most commonly uh, a couple ways. Uh, those folks that are prohibited persons in possession of a firearm. So if you're convicted of a felony offense or you have a qualifying domestic violence order or a misdemeanor conviction of domestic violence or you're in the country illegally, those are all uh, types of prohibitors. We enforce uh, the law in, in that manner. It's also um, illegal to carry a firearm in furtherance of drug trafficking or another violent crime. We have a high number of those prosecutions as well. We also work with uh, the ATF primarily uh, to enforce laws related to uh, folks attempting to unlawfully obtain firearms that are prohibited, um, including those folks that go to uh, federally licensed firearms dealers and fill out the ATF Form 4473 and lie on the form. 
uh, we prosecute those cases. So we are very serious about keeping guns out of the hands of people that are prohibited from, from possessing them. You have made uh, elder justice a top priority as well. Uh, uh, you know, many are vulnerable to, uh, to scams and schemes. Uh, why do you take a particular interest in that area? Elder justice is important not only in our office, but to the department as a whole. Uh, Attorney General Barr has made that one of his top line priorities for us to, uh, us to focus on because it, it impacts so many Americans uh, throughout the country and, and our district. Uh, the, the vulnerable victims, uh, including the elderly, uh, it's our duty to make sure that, that their voices are heard and their rights are vindicated. And particularly relating to uh, elder justice, there are many, many scams that are out there that, uh, that folks need to be aware of. The, the romance scams. Uh, you had a recent case on that uh, here that, that just came up in the, in the news, you know. That is correct. There is an ongoing prosecution, um, and I, I don't want to talk too much right. specifically about that, but just generally with romance scams, uh, that's something that we see a lot of, as well as, you know, IRS scams, uh, folks calling uh, elderly victims posing as IRS agents. IRS is never going to call you on the phone and ask you uh, to provide your Social Security number or to provide money. So we see that uh, quite frequently. Lottery scams uh, are another big one where uh, the caller says you won uh, some fantastic prize and all you have to do is pay the shipping. And that just leads down to a path where more money and more money is being sent and ultimately nothing is gained in return. Uh, so I think those are important things for the public to know and to be, and to be aware of. About a minute left, border security is a, certainly a national issue, but how often does it become uh, an issue in, in your jurisdiction, or why should people here uh, pay attention? Well, it's, it is, uh, it, and it can be an issue here. Uh, certainly, uh, border security is, is important uh, for a number of reasons, Not just our national security. It also involves uh, and impacts the, uh, the drug trade. So with a secure border, uh, there's less likelihood that, that drugs are going to continue to get through in a high frequency. Uh, here locally, you know, we're committed to, uh, to enforcing, enforcing the law. Um, we, will, we will do our part uh, with that, and we work in partnership with all of our federal agencies to, uh, to make sure that we're upholding the law. U.S. Attorney Robert Duncan, thank you for coming. We appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right, we're just over six weeks out now until Kentucky will be holding its statewide elections. And if you're keeping up with the upcoming general election, beginning to wonder uh, where you vote or if your registration is up to date, any questions like that, you can do that 24-7 at GoVoteKY.org. GoVoteKY.org, the website for election information and your voter registration. That's Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT This Morning. We start at 4.30. We're up when you're up. Make it a great week ahead.